This is the best part of my job. I get asked a lot what, what I do here, and I like to say fan engagement and charity events, but this really, uh, this cuts a little bit of both and, and more than anything else right to the core of what keeps me here at my advancing age is uh, the chance to, to make a difference, hopefully, and, and work with programs like this. So if you didn't know it, this program is called Strike Out the Stigma, and uh, we have a partnership with Minding Your Mind, presenting a community outreach initiative focused on bringing to light the stigma of mental health and letting you know that this is uh, something that almost everybody deals with in one way or another. You're not, you're not unique. So bottom line, we're just trying to remove the negative connotation surrounding mental health. Uh, I have some things that we've already done here, so we can skip right on through to introduce our esteemed panel. And we'll start all the way on the end. Uh, over there is Andrew Animus from Minding Your Mind. Those of you who've been with us before know the... Uh... Yes, please. Know what those folks do, and we'll have uh, An uh, Andrew uh, explain. Expand on it, expand on it in just a little bit. And sitting next to him, another familiar face, especially for those of you who have been with us on our Zoom calls, Dr. George James, the Chief Innovation Officer, Senior Staff Therapist. And uh, Dr. George is someone that you're with him five minutes and you feel like telling him anything. So, Dr. George, thank you. <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am to introduce our next two guests. Because we've had a lot of very successful programs, but with today's program, I think we've reached out and gone farther. The Giants are in town, most, most of you know that. And because of TJ Farrell, TJ, where is TJ? He's probably hiding because he never likes to take credit. All the way in the back there, give, give TJ Farrell a hand, you guys. TJ was aware of the great work that the San Francisco Giants organization and our former manager, uh, Gabe Kapler, believe in uh, when it comes to the area of mental health. And uh, he knew the biographies of some people there, noticeably, noticeably the two people we're going to introduce now. And they agreed to come east. <coughs> Excuse me, I think it's the allergies that have gotten me out of here. But uh, first, uh, let me be very proud to introduce Drew Robinson from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, we're going to tell you about Drew, and he's going to tell his own story shortly. I can't tell you how thrilled I am. And when I, when I started by saying uh, we're going to find out tonight uh, just how far we can go and, and stretch our limits, uh, Drew is a great example of that. And Dr. Shane Alexander comes to us from the Giants. Uh, Dr. Shana works in the area of uh, mental health uh, and uh, good health with the Giants organization. As I mentioned Gabe's name before, he is very much uh, a, uh, an advocate and has, uh, was that way when he was here, and even more so now, I think he has more of an opportunity in San Francisco. So uh, welcome, everybody, especially you, Drew, and especially you, Shana, for making the trip out east. We're sorry we don't have cooler weather. This is what happens here. Could bring in a little fog for you, maybe make you feel at home, but it's the best we can do. All right, uh, this is uh, the part where I'm very happy to introduce my co-host, 
Uh, we've started kind of sharing the load here, and that is Andrew. And Andrew uh, and I uh, are going to uh, kind of uh, work on this program together. The one thing we would like to encourage all of you to do is if we are saying something that maybe sparks something in your mind and you want to know more about that, this program isn't set up so that we are going to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G and go straight through and never stop. Uh, this program is all designed for you. We're here for you. And if you have a question that you think uh, one of our panelists uh, might be able to help you with, please just raise your hand. We'll recognize you and we'll, uh, we'll, move, we'll move right in that direction very quickly. So I know we have some questions that many of you have submitted. We also uh, have time and we'll have time toward the end. If you have another question, to please raise your hand. But uh, Andrew, why don't you take us off with our first uh, question for uh, Dr. George. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. And uh, good evening, everyone. Thanks for being here today. So for Dr. George, we had a, a couple attendees ask, specifically the parents in attendance, have questions for you about their young children regarding mental health. So with our children sometimes involved in multiple sports, extracurricular activities, clubs, events, um, what are some steps that parents can take to make sure that, that they're still making time and prioritizing their mental health and wellness of their children and, and the family? Andrew, great question. Thank you. And uh, Scott, always a pleasure. Everybody, uh, thanks for being here. And I, I, this program is so amazing. And thank you, the, our friends from San Francisco who are joining us. Uh, I feel like this is part of my program. That's why I feel like I want to welcome <laughs> you all. Uh, you know, I think a lot of parents, we want, I'm a parent, my two children are here, 9 and 11. We want our children to be the best that they can be. And we know that sports is a great way to develop uh, as a young person. It teaches you so much uh, in terms of leadership, in terms of development, in terms of teamwork. Uh, but what can happen a lot of times with families is that we might not have all the conversations. We might ask you, you know, did you, how was practice today? Or how was the game today? But we also should ask our children, how are you doing today? Is there anything that worries you? Is there anything that bothers you? To really make mental health a part of the conversation. And one of the things I, I share a lot is not just mental health, but mental wellness. And what that means is just how are you doing overall? What are the things that might be tough for you? So in, in our family, uh, we have... Uh, a conversation probably nightly about what are their highs and lows. And that gives us an opportunity to discuss some of the things that you could maybe do a little bit differently or the things that went well. So what time, uh, how are you making time in your family to not only talk about sports, which is important, but about mental wellness, about really checking in with your children and giving them permission to say, it's okay to come and talk to you as the adult, as the parent, and hopefully maybe you are also sharing your highs and lows because it's not just one way, it's not just one direction, it's also being able to show and model to them that you as an adult have highs and lows and it's okay to talk about it. Good answer. Dr. Shana, you've worked with athletes on many levels, not only the Giants, but you also work with the uh, AAA uh, teams, maybe some younger, younger athletes as well. How does the responsibility of taking care of your mental health change as an athlete goes farther and farther up the food chain, if you will, because not only the demands of becoming a better athlete are on their minds, but also the demands of taking care of a lot of other things that go around uh, that success. How important is that? 
Well, I think it's really important at any level, um, especially as an athlete becomes more successful. So my role within the Giants has really set me up to be successful in being able to work with all level of the athletes because I'm a clinical sports psychologist. And what that means is I treat both mental health concerns and help with performance on the field. And so thankfully, some of our biggest stars want to improve their performance on the field and they'll come to me wanting to do better at at pitching or stepping up to the plate. And what I believe in really strongly is first we need to be balanced off the field. So I take a, a little bit of time to check in around their mental health, make sure they're balanced off the field before we go into any sort of performance work. But as an athlete becomes more successful and possibly more famous, there's definitely gonna be more pressure, maybe more pressure to continue to perform at that level. And then they're also pulled in a million different directions, maybe different interviews or certain things like that. And so that's where it's so helpful to create that value and prioritize mental health really from higher up. And we have so much support from the giants, from management saying, please go check in. This is a really good thing. We want to invest in you. And so no matter what level you are, we think it's really important. Of course. I'd like to deviate a little bit from the program because I, I, was, I should have uh, given uh, Drew an opportunity to tell his story before we hit him with some questions. And, and I was uh, remiss in not doing that because I would imagine there's a few people here who don't know your story. So Drew, if you could share your story and uh, what started as a promising career, uh, hopefully to go all the way to the major leagues, absolutely uh, took a, a, a sharp left-hand turn. Uh, if you would feel comfortable about talking about your story. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, everyone, for being here. Um, it's so cool seeing so many people interested in taking this seriously. But um, my story and my life path really is just another example of how things don't always go as planned. So having something to fall back on or lean on is just that much more important But because I was lucky enough to play professional baseball and, and achieve my childhood dream of playing in the major leagues, but um, a lot of people know me these days because of my personal story of my fight with my mental and emotional health, um, which ultimately led to a suicide attempt in April 16th of 2020. So um, I'm incredibly fortunate and honestly just lucky to be alive in general, but to come out of it the way that I did with a little bit more of a perspective shift um, of being willing to be vulnerable to, to address my mental health has become my biggest strength. Um, and I've, I'm a clear example of what can happen when you, when you do take it seriously because I've benefited, benefited from it in an incredible way. So, and it's something I'm passionate, passionate about sharing that I didn't need my suicide attempt to learn these things. I could have been addressing this well before this, which again would have given me something to lean on when things didn't go the way that I was wanting them to, which again, before my incident, I didn't have that. So, um, I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to, to share some of my thoughts, my reflections, and um, again, that's my story. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Drew, we all have to make decisions in our life. They come at us fast and furious every day. You had to make the most important decision a human being can make, and that was a decision to continue your life. Tell us what that was like after you realized you had woke up and you were still on this earth. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, I'm, I'm so passionate about it because I'm aware that I had a very rare opportunity to figuratively, literally choose life. Um, I was, on paper, my story doesn't make any sense because after my initial attempt, I survived for 20 hours afterwards. And while I was sitting there most of the time waiting for the end, that wasn't happening, I started to question whether this is something out of my hands and that I needed to continue on. And when I eventually got to around the 20 hour mark afterwards, I finally was able to make the decision to call 911 myself to, to hopefully come have my, my life saved. And that's another thing that I tried to share with people because realistically, although it's not the most extreme, severe uh, situation that I was in, but we, we get to make these choices on a daily basis of to choose life, to live a life a certain way and, and address things a certain way. So um, again, being able to sit there on my couch when all hope is lost at one point and to be able to choose life and, and reflect back on that and use that as fuel to get me through some of my darker days or my tougher days today is something that um, I like to share openly because I think it is so important. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Thank you for having the courage to share. And uh, Andrew, I know that like, I'd like to pick it up with your next question if I could. Yeah, sure. I think what we're hearing from, well, first, thank you for sharing. I think hope is so important. Uh, hope can, can change a lot of people's difficult situations for the better. Um, I'll, I'll lean on Dr. George and Dr. Shana saying, you guys are both mentioning about a professional athlete or your kids. Open doors. Open doors is one of the safest things that you can do to prevent someone from struggling more. Um, and I appreciate you both saying that. Like, as an adult, we can be that for our kids. We can, we can say, hey, I'm always here for you if, if needed. So, Drew, I'm going to lean back on you here. Um, we received a couple questions regarding the stigma surrounding a male athlete who experienced mental health issues. Was it ever diff difficult for you to discuss what you were going through, especially while being part of a male-dominated sports team? And for young males going through similar issues, what advice would you give them in expressing their own troubles with mental health? Yeah, it was always something that was tricky for me because I was subconsciously a part of the, the negative stigma that's attached to mental health and about how it is a weakness. So while it was something that was tough for me because of the environment that I was in, it was also a perspective that I just had within myself that I wasn't willing to work on or actively change. Um, so I believed that it was a sign of weakness, so that's why I didn't do it. But now, again, after committing my la the last two years of my life to this work, and realizing that it is an actual strength and it's something that I find the most confidence and the most strength within myself in, um, it's something that could very easily have been happening before my incident. Again, I didn't need this to, to be doing this, this work, um, but it is tough because at times you just don't see that example of what a conversation around mental health looks like or sounds like because it's, it's so neglected um, in the common workplace and especially in baseball and male sports because it, a lot of people 
buy into that stigma. So um, I wasn't, I was able to, I would have been able to share these things and my feelings, but I didn't have the, the, the courage to do it, which is something that almost makes my skin crawl at this point now because I'm so on the opposite side of the spectrum where now I actually believe it is the strongest, the purest form of strength that I've ever experienced because why wouldn't I? Why would, why would we not address this? Because the relationship that we have with ourselves, the way the relationship we have with the world is really all we got. So um, it was tough for me because of the perspective that I had just kind of ingrained throughout my, my lifestyle habits or in my, my emotional habits that I just put on myself. So now I, when I think about it, it's like, no, I, I do address my mental health. I do, I do do therapy weekly, and I'm, I'm proud to say it because um, it helps me and it helps the people around me. Dr. Shana, you have worked closely with a lot of athletes. I'm, I'm going to say I'm a little confident in saying probably none with the story that Drew has. But what is it about him? What was it about his character once he decided to choose life that you were able to draw from? And, and sure, it's easy to say, look, or not easy, but look what this guy did, how he came back. Not everybody can do what Drew did. But what do you try to draw from Drew's story that you can help other athletes with and other, other people, any, any of us? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. I have contemplated that time and time again. How is it that he went through such an extreme low and now motivates me on a daily basis? It's pretty, he really is a remarkable human being. And I think what's unique about Drew is when he dedicates something, when he puts his mind to something, he's going to work harder than anyone you've ever met in your life, and that's what he does. He works really hard every single day on his mental health, his physical health, and he takes it very seriously. The other thing that I think really helped Drew during his attempt in recovery was having the support of the Giants. He had the whole team behind him. So I met Drew during my first year of spring training with the Giants, and unfortunately COVID shut us down, and that's when the event happened, and we had to have a call with the team and let everybody know what had happened to Drew, and everybody wanted to support him. He had Hunter Pence calling him, having multiple hour-long conversations supporting him. There was just such a community behind him, and most people don't have that type of support. But the other thing is, he believed in the treatment and he's taken it really serious. And I think that's what's so important is knowing if you're struggling with your mood, there's treatment out there and you can feel better. And so keeping that in mind that you're not gonna feel this way the rest of your life. If you want the treatment, there's definitely treatment out there to feel better. And Andrew, it doesn't necessarily have to be a high profile person uh, or a Hunter Pence, we all know his name, he played here. Uh, don't you also have to rely uh, on your circle of friends and know who's closest to you and know who can, is looking for your best mental health as well. I kind of threw this as a curveball to you. It's not yeah, on the script. Yeah, that's okay. But. I think we all have trusted people in our lives. That might be a parent for us. It might be a friend, a coworker. It's really important to have one. And, and that, that might be a spouse. Again, it might be a professional counselor. But uh, I, for me, it was my mom. I called my mom when I was at my worst. And that was the first step to me getting, just like Dr. Shana mentioned, that treatment and that help that I needed. So starting that conversation might be difficult, but I think talking saved my life. And uh, just like Drew mentioned, like he would choose life and he would choose talking now, right? Like we're on the other side of struggle and we know how, how passionate we are and how important it is to talk about this stuff. So, Yeah. Do Dr. George, I know taking that first step is always the hardest. 
if you're reticent, if you don't know, if you're on the fence and you think, as we've, you know, we've talked about this, getting a checkup from the head up, if you're not sure, do you err on the side of, let's make sure everything is okay and take that first step, just take the initiative and, and, and blast right through that door? Yeah, I, I totally believe that we can err on that side. And actually, you know, I just believe that we all will go through some challenges at some point. And being able to have people that we trust, that we can talk to, is just so important. And, you know, as, as Andrew uh, just shared, sometimes it's, it might be a close friend. It might be a colleague. It might be a professional uh, mental health therapist, someone that you can go to. So I would say, yes, lean into that. But, oh, but really get to the place of saying, who do I want to talk to if I'm making a career decision, if I'm making a sports decision, if I'm making a life decision? And then if things get really tough and challenging, maybe I can go back to that same person or that same source because I've already built up a relationship. Andrew, uh, obviously, Drew reached the top of his profession. I'd like you to talk with him a little bit about some of the other folks who are like y'all here, uh, a little younger, and, and uh, on the path of thinking you know what you want to do, but not sure you know how you're going to get there, but you're going to try to do it best, the best way you can. Uh, if, you, if you could have a conversation with Drew right now about maybe finding the best way to go to somebody of your own age and say, you know, let's just open up a discussion. I, I don't feel right. It can be hard and it can be awkward. Uh, I've had plenty of people come up to me and say, do I say it when we're watching Family Feud? Do, do we, or do we, do we do it in the car? Like, when can we approach that person and have a real conversation? Um, anytime you get the opportunity to bring up something, say, hey, I'm having a hard day and being vulnerable, allows someone else to maybe share or at least know they're not alone. And I think as adults, we act like we all have it together and we all know that we, we don't, right? We're all just kind of taking one day at a time. So for us to be vulnerable to young people and people that are coming up and trying to figure it out is, is important too because uh, it allows them to know, all right, all right so-and-so I might think it has it all or is doing really well is struggling too, and that's okay. So I don't know if anyone else had any thoughts on that. I'd like to hear what, what Drew would, would say to the younger people because obviously, again, to repeat myself, you reached the, the highest pinnacle, but you were once the age of these young people here. Uh, what's the best way for them to start a conversation? Yeah, it was a perfect example of someone who tried to put on this front of having it all figured out at all times, um, and that becomes a very extremely heavy weight to carry around and eventually just gets exhausting and eventually is just detrimental. So. For me, I think it's, I've gotten to the point to this, uh, today where I just, if I'm having a, a, a confusing thought or an uncomfortable thought about something or an emotion attached to something from some random trigger, I just simply ask someone around me and just see what I can get from it. Just be really open-minded when I go into these things that I don't need a specific fix in that exact moment. I just need to get it off my chest or get it off my mind. And the question might spark a reflection or a response from someone that they might give me a tool to help negate that emotion. So I think it's really important just going into it with a very open mind of being willing to say, hey, you know, I had this really uncomfortable day today. I think it was from this, but I'm not exactly sure. What do you think that that was a sign of? Or what do you think, why do you think I was feeling that way? 
And sometimes it's just about simply getting it out of your mind and, and, and voicing it. And sometimes the answer doesn't help. But like I said, sometimes just hearing me say it out loud, whether it be to Diana, to, to my, my psychiatrist, or to a friend that I'm around at that moment, just sometimes me saying it out loud helps me realize that it is either a reminder that that, that emotion is temporary or it is maybe a little irrational response to whatever the trigger was. And sometimes, like I said, I become my own therapist and I'm able to kind of regulate that a little bit more. And I think sometimes it just starts with simply voicing it, but also it creates a more comfortable environment and a more, a much deeper connection with whoever you're talking to because they are willing, they understand that you are just willing to trust them with a pretty, a much deeper question or something that's not superficial. And it's, um, it's just a very growing connection or a very growing um, feeling to where it's like, I feel more connected to this person that I trust. And then the next time it happens, it doesn't feel as scary. And then you just build that momentum of like, yeah, I can go to this person and this feels much more natural. So, and, but I like, I like what he said at first, it does feel awkward. That's not going to go away at the first time, but it's something that's worth practicing because the next time you do it, it feels less awkward and then less awkward. And before you know it, it actually becomes awkward to not do it. And I think that's a point that I've gotten to some, most, most days where I, if I'm holding on to something, I feel more, com- more uncomfortable when I don't share it. So um, just being willing to be vulnerable and finding strength in that because while you don't have something figured out right away, eventually you'll, you'll have a better idea of it and it all comes from learning from that difficult time. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Okay, Andrew and, and Dr. James and Dr. Shane, I'd like to flip the script a little bit because we've been talking about young people, but obviously we have parents here. Uh, how do you go about opening up a subject with a young child? You've known them since birth. All of a sudden you recognize there's something different here and they're not coming to me with it. Dr. Shana, can you start with that? And, and then Dr. George and, and, and Andrew, if you can pitch in. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of parents of athletes, and I think just being really open and honest with that communication is so important. So first going to your athlete and saying, or your child, whoever it is, and saying, you know, I've noticed some changes and I just want to check in on you, and not being afraid to have those difficult conversations. Say, you know, we're all human, and the reality is we're all going to struggle at times, and I just want to make sure you're doing okay. And if they do open up a little bit more and they do acknowledge that they are struggling, don't be afraid to take it further and ask about safety. I think a lot of us get scared and we don't really know how to assess that or how to address it in any way. And I want to encourage you to go there and have that conversation and say, you know, I want to make sure you're safe. Are you having any thoughts and wanting to hurt yourself in any way? And be okay with having that conversation and getting them the support they need. Because just like other people have said, we're human and there is going to be a time during our life where we all struggle with our moods. And so just being really open and direct and in a non-judgmental way, letting them know that you love them, you care about them, and you're there to support them. Good. Andrew, what would you add to that? I would just add that you're not alone. Parents, sometimes I feel like 
fear or blame in some ways for their kids maybe struggling, it is not your fault. You're not alone. Mental health is mental health concerns and issues are a flaw of chemistry, not a flaw of character. Um, so like that, that's a big thing. My, I remember in some ways my, my parents were like, I, I could see that they were like, what did we do wrong? They didn't do anything wrong. I had a chemical imbalance in, in my brain I couldn't control. And we as a family weren't alone. So if you as parents and as friends and coworkers ever have that fear, you're not alone do whatever you can to put out a hand and ask for help for yourself too, because you'll find people that care. There are people that understand. You've talked about the courage uh, that Drew had to, and has even to this day, to share his story. I'd like to uh, ask for some uh, courageous uh, behavior from one of our younger people who maybe have had to have that difficult conversation with a friend or how they approach them. And then perhaps Dr. James can uh, can lead a discussion on, on maybe that you're doing it the right way. And if you're doing it at all, you're doing it the right way. But can I ask, if, is there anybody here who's had that kind of a discussion with, with a friend? Or maybe a, a friend has had that kind of discussion with you? I know it's tough to get up here in front of everybody. But I think it would really help, help us all if, if there is anyone among us here who, who had that experience. And if not, I guess it's possible also. And that's all well and good. Uh, but. Uh, Dr. George, there will come a time when that discussion will be needed, correct? Yeah, and you know, as uh, Dr. Shana and Andrew were sharing, I was thinking about that. You know, I really believe in community and that sometimes the person that your child might listen to might not be you, but it might be their aunt or their godparent or their uncle or their coach. Being in relationship with other people that are connected to your children can be very important. And being able to know that, at least in, in my family, the people that are connected to my children also share in very similar values that my wife and I have. And so if, if that's the case, then you can ask those people, do you mind just checking in with my son or daughter? You know, they seem different. I've tried all the things I can, and it doesn't seem like they're opening up. Can you check in with them and let them know that we want to talk? And sometimes that can be a way to make that first step or second step, but really as a community, provide a, a safe environment. Good answer. Uh, Andrew, I want you to, uh, to get in on this, and if you have a question for one of our panelists, now would be the time to ask them. Me? Yeah, do you have a question for any one of our panelists? I do, yeah. You are, after I'll, all, the co-host, and I'm I'll, I'll kind have of a, I have a question this. for Drew. Um, if there's one thing, was there, a, was there a moment in your process of struggle and this might be personal, but I understand you're very comfortable, um, that you felt, I need help. Like, was there, was there something you experienced that was really different where you were like, something's really wrong here? Yeah, there was, there was two specific times where I was aware that something was off internally, and it, it was a couple of years before my incident, I actually went to our, our team um, doctor with the, with the Rangers and, and said I was struggling with, I think, I've heard the term anxiety. That, like, I was so uneducated that that's really the only thing I had heard of at that time. And so I, I started my first medication, and it wasn't the right fit for me, but that was really, I was so stubborn and closed-minded at that time that because it didn't, it didn't work, I lost hope. And, and then the second time was maybe five, five to six months before my attempt, I did reach out for help and I did get in touch with a therapist and 
I was doing weekly sessions, but I was also still holding back, which is another thing I'm really passionate about sharing in my story because although I was aware that I needed some, some guidance or some help, I still was trying to put on this front that I'm, I'm not that messed up or I'm not struggling that bad. I'm just here to do, and it's like, no, inside I was, I was struggling very badly. Um, so if anyone is reaching out for the first time or willing to get the help that they need, don't hold back. Like I said, I held back. I was asking for, I was wanting help, but I wasn't actually asking for help. And I think that that was, again, another tough learning lesson for me because I was aware that I was struggling and I needed some guidance, but I was still too prideful and too stubborn to actually say it. So um, those are the two moments in my, in my pre-incident journey where I was aware that um, I needed um, a little bit extra support. And- Andrew, uh, you were a very successful amateur athlete, and then, like, it, there comes a time for most amateur athletes when they realize they're not going to be professional athletes. This goal that they had set for them just is not achievable uh, for them. Uh, what advice would you give some young people who were on that road and then all of a sudden see that realization that this is not going to work out? How do I deal with this right now, knowing that I've got to make I say again, like a, a strong right-hand turn to do something else. Yeah, I'll, I'll share really briefly and then pass it maybe to Dr. George, Dr. Shana too. Um, really important not put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, there, life, there's a lot of things and a lot of hobbies, a lot of skills and, and things that you're good at. Um, and one thing that's important is keep the things that you love about what you do in your life too. So I'm not a professional athlete. I played college sports, high school sports, but I can keep maybe coaching here and there because I love being around the game. I can keep that structure of my schedule. I love working out uh, three, four times a week. I can keep my relationship with my teammates. We have a group chat. When COVID started, we had a Zoom. We, we did every week and we had all these like Kahoot trivia games and stuff and it was really fun. So keep the things, the little things that you love about your sport uh, in your life. You can kind of find ways to do that. Dr. George, would you like to expand on that? No, I think that's great, Andrew. And, you know, I, I think, like, once again, there's some realities that we all have to experience. And sometimes that's disappointment and sometimes failure or not achieving the thing that we want, whether that's a grade on a test or whether that's achieving a certain level in a sport. And there's something that we, that we talk about called being able to tolerate distress, right, to be uncomfortable. And sometimes life will give you some uncomfortable moments. And it's hard to figure out how to handle that. And so if you have people that you can talk to, or if you have a place that you can go to, and you know, I love the thought of keeping in touch with your teammates, keeping in touch with the people that you hang out with. You know, uh, there's someone that I work with, and I often talk about staying connected with your old friends. Right, because as you mature in life, as you have more success, the people who really know you are the old friends, the people you grew up with, the people that you hung out with. So, you know, being able to have those places can really help you when some distress and uncomfortable moments come before they get too far. We've we've brought up the the ugly word failure, but it is in fact something that all of us go through from time to time. Those of us who play sports, those of you who play sports, and especially people who play baseball know that uh, baseball is a game of failure. But not just on the athletic field, Dr. Shana, how do you react when you've just really, really, really had a bad mistake and a bad day because of a mistake you made and you realize, I made this mistake, it's nobody else's fault, this one's on my shoulders. I'm sure part of that you've already dealt with by saying that, but where do you go with the next step? 
Yeah, absolutely. This is going to happen to everybody, everybody in life and definitely athletes, right? And so I deal with this a lot with our athletes. And I think what's so important is for them to be able to step back and look at their teammates and how would they respond to their teammate if they made that same mistake. And what is the best baseball player in the world look like? Has he made that mistake as well? And so just being realistic with yourself and knowing that you're never going to be perfect. If you try to set yourself up to be perfect, you're going to be really disappointed in life. So there needs to be some wiggle room to have those mistakes and some flexibility. And I think just being more flexible with yourself is going to be so important. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Andrew, would you like to pick that up a little? Because I think that's, that's really important, especially when we realize we've made a mistake. I, you know, I was a broadcaster, and there were times on 11 o'clock news I made a mistake, and I knew I made it. And the worst thing in the world was waking up in the morning with that thing in the pit of your stomach. You just realized I really screwed up in front of a half a million people. Uh, but, you know, how do you do it? You know, you, you, for, fortunately, you say, well, there's like another game tonight. There's another broadcast. I'll, I'll try to do better. But what are some of the other coping mechanisms that you can deal with? I think we're all a little hard on ourselves sometimes, and I think I definitely was when I played sports. So I, I, I think, just like Dr. Shana said, everyone makes mistakes, uh, whether that's a big thing or small thing. Um, Try to have a, a really short memory as much as you can, even though it, things might fester. Um, but I think just finding outlets to give you that step back, whatever that is, if it's reading a book, if it's watching your favorite TV show at night, if it's calling your mom, connecting with a friend, um, finding those things are really important for all of us. So I don't know. I can pass that off. to Yeah. Something else that is so simple, but I'll have our guys keep a daily success for journal. And what that looks like is three things that went well for the day. And it may be three things that you like about yourself as an athlete or just three things that went well during the day in general. And so it shifts that negative thinking from, you know, if you're depressed, you're kind of looking for all the negative things. And it really makes you kind of shift your thinking and find some more positive stuff. And it's so simple. This can happen at the dinner table. What went well today? Tell me what you like about you. Three things that you like about yourself or three things that went well for the day. The Daily Success Journal is just such an easy little tip. Drew, you made the first big step to choose life, but since then you have a life to live, as we all do. What do you do to make sure not just from a health, a mental health standpoint, but keeping your body healthy, doesn't that also play a role in your mental health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've definitely committed to all these sides that will hopefully bring a more balanced state of mind and state of being. Um, so that is taking care of my mental health, my, my, the spiritual side of it, the physical side of it. So, but I think what's really important, what we were just talking about is touching on the conversations that you have with yourself, because we all have them. So that internal voice, um, and it sounds so cliche at times and it sounds almost cheesy, but we're so willing to talk about ourselves or talk about something that we just did in a negative way. And it feels, it doesn't feel cheesy that way, but, but the way we talk about things in a more positive way, 
I think feels uncomfortable at first because it feels almost like arrogant, but having that conversation with yourself and being willing to, to be nice to ourselves instead of always pointing out what we do wrong is so important. And I'm, again, another prime example of this because I was so comfortable telling myself how about all my insecurities over and over and over throughout the day. And when I first started doing trying to work on that internal voice after my incident and talking about more positive things, it felt cheesy, but telling myself that I love myself, telling myself that I'm, I'm, I love my family, just to myself, this conversation I'm having with myself, and then also having the spin on words in every situation of having, almost sounds cliche, but like for baseball, the term baseball's a game of failure, like turning it into baseball's a game of lessons, because realistically, these failures that we say what do you say? It's a game Instead of... of saying it's, it's a game of failure, it's a game of lessons because... Lessons. Realistically, every time we go through a perceived failure or a mistake, it teaches us how not to do that. And sometimes learning how to do something, learning how not to do something is just as important as learning how to do something. And again, that sounds so cliche, but that internal voice and that, that, that dialect that we have with ourselves is so important because sometimes it gets unrealistic the opposite way in the, in the more negative way. Um, so being willing to say some of the cheesy things or the uncomfortable things, like Shana said, of pointing out something you like about yourself in the moment of distress doesn't feel genuine, but it, practice, it practices your, your mind to hopefully do it more naturally the next time something happens. And again, it, it's not easy at first, but it's something that's worth doing because, again, our relationship with ourselves is the most important thing and the conversation that we're having with ourselves is always happening. So being more aware of it and being willing to talk about some of the things that we like about ourselves or something that we might learn from an uncomfortable situation isn't going to make the, the, the discomfort go away, but it'll help us hopefully have that, that shine a little bit of light on faith in the back of our mind that I can learn, I'll learn something from this even though it feels uncomfortable right now, but maybe a week from now I'll see what I needed to learn and then it keeps a little bit more faith um, for the next time that distress happens. And again, um, it just it creates a more empowering feeling instead of a unguided, lost feeling. So, and it reminds me of the, of the saying that everything is temporary, good or bad, especially emotions. They are such a temporary thing. So um, letting that keep a little bit of hope in the back of your mind that things won't always be this way in a bad way and, or a more negative way, but also a good way. And that helps you appreciate the good times more. And then when things aren't going so well, it helps me remember that maybe a week from now, this will pass um, because everything is temporary. Drew, to do that on a regular basis is so important, right? To continue right. with a good habit. Yeah, it's a, daily, it's a daily practice for me. Like I said, when I do my meditations in the morning, it's sometimes the conversation will be happening inside with myself, and I'm, t- I'm actually talking to myself or thinking of a way that I would answer a question or thinking of a way that I'll have a conversation with someone or have a, a, new, pers- a new thought on, on a perspective that I'm having or thinking about throughout that week. And it's a daily practice, like I said, with meditation, journaling, physical work, um, it just setting my, trying to set myself up for success throughout the day. And I think it's, again, it, it shows. And I, for the physical side of things, I used to just want to do it just for my, for my sport to be a good athlete. But realistically, it's the most present. That you, doing my physical work, my exercise, I have to be present. I have to be mindful of what I'm doing in the moment, which I think is such a good practice of just being present, um, which is something that I fall in the trap of, of worrying about the past or worrying about the future, um, things I can't change and things I can't change. So being present and being in control of my mind is a practice that I try to do daily. And it sounds, again, a little cliche or a little this and that, but again, there's only one other way to do it. So why not, why not just take it with more, more pride and more love, um, which again is, feels a little cheesy at first, but it's something that 
I've been able to grow through and now I feel comfortable saying I love myself out loud when I'm sitting in an empty room by myself. <laughs> it doesn't sound cheesy at all. Actually, it sounds right on point. Dr. James? Yeah, I just wanted to quickly add, uh, I love what Dr. Shana, what Drew and Andrew shared. Um, one of the things that I try to practice, as well as uh, those that I work with, is that sometimes just simple mantras can help you. You see this a lot with sports teams. You know, I went to Villanova, so I'm a big Villanova fan. And like, you know, back in the Coach Wright days, I can't believe I'm saying that, it was attitude, right? Like, so it's having a mindset. I wear, you know, this on my wrist call, says I give myself permission. And it's a reminder that I, it's okay for me to show up and choose life. It's all right for me to, to enjoy myself, to support people, to do those things that make me feel good. So sometimes having a mantra or something you say or look at or repeat every day can keep you in that positive mindset. I'm going to direct this to the young people, and I was going to say, what, what dominates your life outside of your friends and your school? And I was going to be searching for an answer, and I know what the answer would probably be if you're honest. It's social media, right? I mean, it really just, it really just grabs us, especially when you're young. So we got to, I'm getting a little wrap here. I know we have to leave by 6.20, TJ, because uh, Mr. Robinson is throwing out the first ball tonight, so we have to make sure he's on time. But uh, very quickly... Uh, uh, Dr. Shannon, why don't, you, why don't you take that? The social media, maybe how you get away from it. And boy, uh, Drew, no, nobody knows social media like an athlete who's failed in the responses. What do you do? Yeah, around the social media piece, I think just being realistic about social media and knowing that what people post on there is not real life, right? They're taking very small snippets of the best part of their life and posting it on there. And so just being realistic that nobody's life is going to look like that. And we actually just were on a panel a few days ago about this. And Drew, you had a really good response. Did you want to share a little bit about social media? Yeah, and this is another thing I'm, I feel strongly about because, again, like, what was mentioned, being an athlete, especially one that didn't succeed statistically as much as I, I did, um, I did see a lot of negative backlash. And I think it's just important what you, of creating an awareness of what you are feeding yourself. Um, and we do that with everything else, right? But for social media, you might not even be aware of how distracted you are. And um, a simple tool for that that I do is setting a timer. You can actually set an, a timer on your app that will remind you that you've been on it for a certain amount of time. And I think it's just, again, it's what you're feeding your mind because um, realistically your subconscious mind is always eavesdropping on what, on what you're actually looking at, whether you're, you feel like you're taking in or not. You might see something that's triggering and you think you can just disregard it and go to the next thing, but it might be creating a level of discomfort and then an hour later something very small might cause you to react much, much, strong, much more strongly than you might realize. And I just think, again, I think it's something that it, creates, it starts with awareness, um, being willing to say that I don't need to compare myself to this life or I don't need to try to be in that person's shoes right now because I'm on my own journey. Again, it, it starts with awareness and it's something that um, I feel strongly about because, again, I, I, I've realized how quickly I can get distracted and how quickly those 30 minutes can go when I have my timer on. Um, sometimes it happens before I even get out of bed in the morning. So... Um, just creating the awareness of what you're looking at, what you're engaging in, because um, whether you're aware of it or not, it's shaping some kind of perspective on the, the, the content you're, you're viewing. As we wrap up this very thoughtful and helpful discussion, it really has been, I know, for all of you as well, I wanted to uh, recognize a couple of other uh, members of the Giants organization that did come east 
And uh, he was here just a moment ago. Where is Champ? Is Champ still here? He's over there to the right. Champ, come on over here. I want to introduce you. <laughs> this is Champ Peterson. And uh, he is a very integral member of the uh, Giants organization. Lives in San Francisco. You like making their trip to Philly? I did. Yeah, it's the first time here in Philadelphia, so been a good one. Good. What do you want to see? I want to see um, pretty much everything, but mostly um, Benjamin Franklin, Cecilia uh, Butterly. Uh, Love him. Boy, you're a history guy. That's great. And, and, and what about Ellie? Is Ellie still here? Oh, never far away. She's taking a nap just, right now. I could. <laughs> that's Ellie, and, and that's. Uh, that's Drew's support dog, just a beautiful dog, and we could even pet her because she didn't have her vest on. And she's Any wearing our comments? mental health shirt. I'm sorry? Ellie's wearing her mental health shirt. The Giants. Oh, she's wearing her Giants mental health shirt. <laughs> uh, I know we're wrapped on, on time, and I, I want to make sure uh, that Drew gets on the field because are you throwing the first ball to Bryce? Yeah. Another Las Vegas guy. Drew's from mm -hmm. Las Vegas. Uh, I know he'll be right on target. Let me just uh, thank each and every one of you for being here today. You really uh, made a difference tonight with, with all of these folks here. And thank you for your time uh, and your commitment to mental health. So thank you. Thank you.